0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 308 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is Amanda, and we are talking about how terrible we are at watching television. Amanda tweeted recently that she's terrible at watching TV, which is something that I've said about myself many, many times. And when I asked her about it, we started down a very long conversational route about series, storytelling, trusting the storyteller, and fearing enjoyment. We talk about investing time, energy, empathy, and attention in TV shows and watching series with another person who then holds us accountable. We also touch on the difficulties in selecting things to enjoy when there is so much to choose from. I also try to find the answers to some very crucial questions, including, why does Amanda often stop watching and reading series she is really enjoying, sometimes in the middle without finishing? I know some of you just broke out in hives at the idea. Why is watching a movie easier than beginning a series in books or in television? What makes a viewer or reader fear the end of a series? What is it about hype that's a turnoff? How much did Lost screw up Amanda's ability to enjoy a TV series? And eventually, we figure out what shows scarred us for life as romance readers in terms of trusting the storyteller and also where our trope catnips and trope destroyers come from. Please note, I spoil the heck out of the 1987 Beauty and the Beast television show. I figure it's been 30 years. Wow, I'm old. But just in case you'd ever thought, maybe I'll watch it. It's on DVD. When I start talking about the source of all my catnip, just stop listening because I'm going to spoil everything about that show because that show not only created my catnip but also destroyed my faith in um in in network television i'm sorry to say we want to know though if you like tv shows and which ones you are always going to keep up with we want to know if being a romance reader affects how you see television series or book series or your interest in sticking with either medium what shows have scarred you for life? We're terribly nosy. But you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us, tweet at us. I'm at smartbitches. And Amanda is at underscore, I'm an adult. Now, would you like to come hang out with me and record a future episode? If you are going to be at Romance Writers of America National Convention in Denver, grab yourself a pen and write this down. Uh, Tower Court B. Friday, July twentieth at four forty PM. Bring your own wine to the Tower Court, and we will be playing cards against romance tropes, and I will be recording it because, well, it promises to be hilarious. We're gonna need people to volunteer, and we're gonna need people to vote, and we're gonna need people to just be, well, somewhat raucous. So please come and join us. You can RSVP at bitly slash RWA live show, and I will have a link to everything you need to know at SmartBitches TrashyBooks.com slash podcast. I hope you can join us Friday, July 20th, 4.40 p.m., Tower Court B of the Sheraton downtown Denver during Romance Writers of America. Come play. It'll be so much fun. This episode is brought to you by Read Bliss. Are you looking for royal romance recommendations? The top three qualities of a great heroine? How about five unforgettable uplifting reads? You can find all of those and more at readbliss.com your video destination for all things romance and reading. Subscribe to Read Bliss on YouTube for book recommendations, author spotlights, and more from romance novel experts and readers just like you. Visit ReadBliss.com and check out Read Bliss on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Read Bliss. Watch. Read. Love. This week's transcript is brought to you by everyone in our Patreon community. Each episode receives a transcript handcrafted by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. Transcripts make the podcast accessible for everyone. And I am very grateful to the Patreon community for helping me make sure that every episode is transcribed completely. Thank you, y'all. I also want to thank some of the Patreon folks personally. So to Lita, Claudia, Susan, Sarah, and Laura, thank you for being part of the podcast community. If you would like to join, I would love it if you did. Head over to patreon.com smartbitches. You can find... Pledge levels starting with $1 a month. And every pledge makes a deeply appreciated difference in the show. And like I said, helps me make sure everyone gets a transcript. Are there other ways to support the show? Of course there are. Sing along if you know the words. Leave a review wherever or however you listen. You can tell a friend. You can subscribe. Anything that you do to talk about a podcast helps other people find out about that podcast. And as I'm sure you have noticed... The top ranking, most showcased podcasts are usually by dudes. And I don't remember who said this, but I do remember someone on Twitter saying that a group of white dudes is called a podcast. And I'm still laughing about that. (laughs) So yeah, super professional I am. Yes. So thank you for hanging out with me each week. And thank you for telling other people about the podcast. Your presence and the fact that you let me into your eardrums each week is a very big honor. Thank you. The music you are listening to will be explained in full at the end of the show, but it was provided by Sassy Outwater as usual. And at the end of the show, I will also have an absolutely terrible joke. And I know how many of you like the bad jokes because, well, you email me more. It's so great. So thank you for that. All right. Enough intro. By the way, intro and outro are totally words. On with the podcast with me and Amanda talking about television. So you tweeted recently that you are bad at watching TV and I saw this tweet and I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. How have we not talked about this before or have we? And I just forgot.
1: I think maybe we've touched on it. I know I have mentioned before that I listen to um, background noise while I'm reading or doing something else. And that's yeah. usually like mindless, trashy TV. <laughs> like I work from home. And, of course, when you work from home, daytime TV is, like, court shows and, like, Maury and, like, Jerry Springer. (laughs) So really thoughtless, mindless television. So, like, I'll just have Judge Judy hanging out. Oh, my
0: God. I could (laughs) never. I'm fascinated by the fact that this is a thing (laughs) you can do because I would be just, oh, so miserable. But, you know, actual...
1: I wouldn't say actual television. That's kind of insulting. <laughs> but um, TV that requires some thought or like, um, you know, like primetime television, HBO shows, that sort of stuff. It's so hard for me to just sit down and devote my attention to it. Or if I do, I'll watch a few episodes and then never watch an episode again.
0: So, oh yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> So why do you what, – what makes you stop watching a show? Um, well,
1: it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint what makes me stop watching. And When I was thinking about this, I really had to, like, think about it. And it brought up some things that I'm like, this might be kind of concerning once <laughs> you think about it. It's weird because I do this with books too. If I'm really enjoying a show – it will scare me off from from continuing it. There's like a weird, like I'm afraid of commitment with things that bring me happiness. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. But that's like, it doesn't translate into my life. Like I have no problem committing to a relationship, but shows that I'm really enjoying or books that I'm really enjoying. Once I start like really wanting to watch it or really wanting to read it, I'm like, "Uh, okay. And like it, Makes me nervous. I'm always afraid, like, someone will fuck up my enjoyment in the book or in the show, and that'll be it. Like, my good feelings I've been having about this thing will be ruined.
0: Ooh. What, um, has <laughs> this happened, or is this just a thing that you think is going to happen?
1: I can't even pinpoint a thing that, like, has created this fear (laughs) in me. Um, I can't remember. I mean, I was forced to watch Lost by an ex-boyfriend who really loved it. And that payoff was not worth it. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't super into the show. Um, Yeah, there's nothing that I can remember. Like, I really loved – the king's chronicle i think it's kingmakers kingmaker chronicles by mm-hmm. amanda boucher bouchette mm-hmm. um i love the first book and like trying to get myself into reading the second book was so hard because i love the first book so much and with the series i feel like everyone kind of experiences this or even with movies like a sequel like is the sequel going to ruin my fond feelings that I had for the first book? Is, like, the director or the author going to take this in a way that kind of, I don't know, overshadows that, like, nostalgia and good book noises that I've had for these characters when I first read them? Does
0: that make sense? So maybe it's not necessarily (laughs) the TV show – Or the book that's the problem, it's the series. The fact that it is a series is the problem. Yeah,
1: like I have no problem sitting down and watching a movie. Because it's like a quick 90 minutes, that's fine. But a TV show takes some commitment to like stick with, watch it every week, or binge it if you prefer to watch it on Netflix. Like my boyfriend won't watch a show, for the most part, won't watch a show until it's already out. So we can just watch it in one go and not have to deal with like a cliffhanger. Wait until next week to find what happens.
0: Yeah, people who do that with books get uh, get a lot of side eye from some authors and readers because if you don't watch it when it's when it's new, if you don't consume it when it's being paid attention to by the people who make such decisions, you might not have a full series when you're done. And then you have and then you have things like uh, Amazon and Netflix who just drop the whole series, like Yes, one season I remember, all at once. Yeah,
1: Netflix does it a lot. <laughs> I remember we were we were watching the Super Bowl um, and they showed um this trailer for like this Cloverfield show, I think. Um I don't remember the name of it, but the woman who's in a wrinkle in time, and she was in San Junipero. she's beautiful. I can't remember her name. Uh, yes. She's in the series, and they showed the trailer for the series at the Super Bowl, and at the end, it's like now on Netflix. So like they just dropped a show in the middle of the Super Bowl and announced it via a Super Bowl commercial. Um But yeah, Netflix does that pretty much with every show they have. They just put the whole thing out at once, which
0: Does that make it more likely for you to watch it?
1: I don't think so. Um hmm. because I was so nailed it I loved, but it was only like six episodes. It's yeah, not it was not a long
0: commitment to watch it.
1: Yeah. Um, and the episodes go by really quickly and I don't really require much like thought. Like I don't have to really keep up from episode to episode, plot threads or characters or whatever. But I was watching this um I I guess it's called like Welsh noir <laughs> series called Hinterland. Huh. And it's amazing and I probably want there are 3 seasons. On Netflix, there's maybe only four or five episodes in a season, but each episode is about an hour and
0: a half. Oi, that's like a movie. Yeah.
1: When is a movie. Yeah, I know. So I blazed through the first season and a half. Whoa. Probably like in a week or so. I would, my boyfriend would come over, I would just sit him in front of the Xbox and then I would just crawl into bed
0: oh with my, my laptop
1: and just watch this. But probably around the halfway point, I like I was really loving it. But I just stopped. I haven't picked it back up. There's no real reason why I haven't picked it back up. All of the episodes are there. Um, And it wasn't like I stopped enjoying the show. It wasn't like anything happened. But, like, I just... I just stopped. I don't know why, and I'm maybe I tell myself I'll finish it eventually, but who knows?
0: I don't know. Is the feeling that you get about picking up the show similar to the feeling that you get when you look at book two of a series that you really liked? When you really liked, I think book one? so. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think so. And then there's always that. I wouldn't say like fear, but like sadness that it's gonna end too, because like if you stop a book in the middle let's say i'm just using it as an example you kind of have like this lovely moment in time that you can preserve for the hero and hero and <laughs> you don't have to go through any of like the extra like you know two-thirds or one-third of the book where like shit hits the fan and everyone's put through the ringer um So with a show, like if you stop it at a good point, you're like, oh, everything's fine. I don't have to worry about anything. Things can just end here and my imagination is safe. Um, It really sounds
0: like the problem is (laughs) that you don't want the series or the story to go in a direction that you don't like when you've already started liking it. And you're afraid yes. of the disappointment that will that you think may be inevitable that if you continue with the series and it's not complete, the more you enjoy it, the more you fear being let down. Yes, I think feel- <laughs> so so clearly, lost has fucked you up for the rest of your life. and I didn't even enjoy lost that
1: much either. <laughs> this is all was- lost's
0: fault, isn't it? God damn it, J.J. Abrams! <laughs> this, this is, right this is entirely due note. to a lost ending in a way that you found so unsatisfying. I should feel. Like, I feel like I should give you my therapist
1: copay for this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: no, <laughs> I am not qualified for such things. Um, <laughs> one of the things that grabbed me about your tweet was that I'm terrible at watching television, and I'm really, really bad at um starting new shows and finishing shows. But I've talked about this many, many times because I realized I don't trust television writers. Because I read books <laughs> and because I read novels and because I read I and I'm and I'm terrible at series in books just as much as I am terrible at a series on television. Uh, I, I want to know that the person or persons creating the story knows how it's going to end. And there won't be any betrayal of character or there won't be any stupid plot points just to keep going because hot damn syndication's pretty great. And I totally understand. You want syndication. Make that money. Cut your check. <laughs> I want to know that the writer knows where they are going. And when I begin to think that the writer doesn't know where they're going or I don't trust the direction that they're going, I tap out and I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm going to finish this in my head and it's going to be great. This is horrible. Like, I'm much happier for my own decisions. But there is a massive amount of television that Adam will watch on the treadmill. And I already know that there's some things that there's no way in hell I could watch. Like, I watch uh, Game of Thrones through very selective GIF sets involving dragons. As far as I am concerned, that show is about a woman with white hair who has pet dragons, and it's great.
1: (laughs) I stopped watching it a few seasons ago, and when it comes back on... Like I'll just skim through the recaps or my roommate watches it and I'll have her fill me in. And that's good enough
0: for me. I can't, de- I cannot do that much violence. There is no way. Like Adam was like, I'm I'm not even going to watch it when you're downstairs with, the, with your glasses off. When I can't even see the TV, it's not even in focus. There's no way. <laughs> and there's a bunch of shows that he watches where I'm just like, I can't even handle the terrible, stupid soundtrack tension song. Like, you know in a TV, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a very tense moment in a superhero show. Let's play F sharp on a violin for three minutes.
1: I loved the soundtrack for Hinterland because it's all just like varying um tensions of like string sets. That's all it
0: is. And it's great <laughs> that would kill me, that would kill me, kill me slowly, it would be bad, very, very bad. I think that part for me, part of the problem, like I said, is not trusting that the end is a known idea, you know that the end is not even in sight. It doesn't have to be in sight. I just have to trust that someone who is creating this knows where they're going and this is probably largely due to the fact that I read so much romance because I know no matter how bad it gets in the book it's going to end satisfactorily or if it doesn't I have I have this website where I can talk about it I also don't have an hour and a half to two hours to pay attention to a movie like it's rare for me to do that the last movie that I saw I hardly ever watch movies in my house and the last movie I saw in the theater was Wrinkle in Time because my younger son wanted to go see it with me so badly and we had the best time, but I had like reserved the block of time on my calendar. We had talked about it. Watching the movie was actually secondary to going to see the movie with my son. Like that was the event. Other than that, I never watch movies in my house. And I also am not like you. I can't have people talking while I'm working. <laughs> I can't have the TV on. I can't have the the background noise of the television. Like I cannot. The TV is never on when I'm home by myself. Like, Adam was away this weekend. I don't think i've turned on the television at all like it's not a thing i do the other thing with series tv like um sitcoms and things that are on television if it's a mystery it's going to be super violent yeah, usually against women like i love miss fisher i have to skip the ones where women meet violent ends that's really hard i would really like to watch miss fisher's edit an edited miss fisher where it's just her talking to people <laughs> wearing different outfits i'm sure there's a compilation on youtube somewhere Oh, I'm sure they're sure, having outfits. But then the other thing that I don't like, especially about sitcoms, is that a lot of the humor is is very narrow. It's a very narrow definition of what's considered funny. And a lot of it relies on very toxic, racist and sexist jokes that I don't find funny. So I'm like, this is not enjoyable. There are three total shows that aren't like nonfiction cooking shows that I genuinely like, one of them being Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and even then... I wait until we have like three, so that we can watch them in one evening, and then I can just laugh my ass off and have, and then like talk about it for the rest of the week. Otherwise, I'm just I'm just not interested. And the other thing about Brooklyn Nine Nine, now that I think about it, is that this the character development is largely consistent. If something happens in an episode, two episodes later, that episode that thing is still true. It's not. Um, there's a word for this when you have episodes that are individual and they don't change anything. They're, they're capsules, I think is what it's called, sure. like a capsule, capsule episode. Right? And then there's con <laughs> yeah and then there's continuity. I'm not making shit up. There's continuity. When the continuity develops in a way that I find respectful and interesting, I am so on board. Otherwise I'm terrible at watching TV because I I I am a dis This is so not my character. I am a distrustful person who doesn't like Else's <laughs> writing. <laughs> I'm terrible. Meanwhile you are worried that the thing that you enjoy will ultimately disappoint you, which is also, I think, ties into
1: being like a distrustful. Like we don't trust where terrible we're humans. You know, what this... are we going to do? This is terrible. <laughs> well, we got to fix this. So I'm a, I'm a multitasker, and so it really, I have a hard time devoting my attention to a singular. Things. Oh my gosh! Um,
0: I once gave this is not a. <laughs> I once gave a presentation at a tech conference. I think it was Tools of Change, and I talked about double dipping when screens are concerned. And this was like a new thing, a new thing that Nielsen was asking. So you know, this was a while back. How many people watch television with a d- device in their hand that they are actively using?
1: Yes, I always have my computer out and the, usually the TV on. Um, and this is not a reflection on you, oh,
0: Sarah.
1: <laughs> But I always feel like there's something that I could be doing. Like I could be getting the books on sale ready for yep. tomorrow. I could be scheduling reviews in advance. I could, you know, just be doing stuff to help me through the week a little better. Um, and it it stinks that the shows that I really enjoy. Really need my attention. Like, I love watching K-dramas, but they require subtitles because I don't speak Korean.
0: Yes, you have so, to read the
1: screen. I have to read. And then uh, Westworld just came back. Um, and that show has its own problems, but I'm just so addicted to the weird, like, mind of that show. And, you know, so far this season is all about the, the women hosts just... Killing people. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> which I'm into. Um, but that... <laughs> you have to like... A concentrate. I like it you dead. <laughs> you have to concentrate on a show like that. Um, so it's tough because the things that I would actually want to sit down and enjoy, it's hard. I have a hard time sitting down and enjoying something. Um, it works best when... I am actively watching a show with someone else. Um, So my boyfriend and I will watch a a TV series. And it's usually him prompting this. Um, And it's hard for me to finally agree to it. Not that I don't enjoy watching TV with him. But, like, I have to sit still and watch something We've watched seasons one and two of Fargo, which have been really good. Um, I watched the entire – I've caught up on The Good Place. Is that good? Have you enjoyed it? Oh, it's so good. You would like it,
0: Sarah. I'm very curious about that one.
1: It's very smart. Everyone's great. Um, Very funny. I highly recommend it. Um, So it works when I have, like, someone that can hold me accountable. (laughs) make me watch things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've packed away a few shows together. We watch Westworld together. Um, so it's easier for me to watch something when I have like a partner with me. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it's so it's so <laughs> hard. And with so many things out, and it goes for reading too there are a gazillion things competing for your attention. Do I want to play yes. a video game? Do I, I want to cross? I mean, some things you can do together, like cross-stitching and putting on something to watch or or whatever. But there's just so much stuff now that yep. it's kind of like an embarrassment of riches yep. where I don't know what to do with myself. And because there are so many choices, I'm like – well, I guess I'll just watch this YouTube video. (laughs) I'll just go to the lowest common denominator and forget everything else.
0: Well, I think there's a couple things that we have in common, but I want to go back to something you said earlier about how there's always work you could be doing. Yeah, I have this same exact problem. I work at home. I live at home. Sometimes I don't put on shoes or real pants, and it's great. (laughs) The problem with working at home is that you can always be working. You should not always be working. At no time do I expect you to be working all the time. In fact, if it's better for your brain if you don't. But that also means that you might want to cultivate a deliberate list of things that you like to do that aren't work. <laughs> because non-work makes your work brain better. So like I, I because you know I love me a good list. I wrote down a list of things that I do and I will stand in the middle of my first floor and be like, okay, if you're not working, you have the next, you know, 45 minutes to do whatever you want. What on the list do you want to do? You could do work, but we're not going to do work. What would you like to do? Am I I reading a book that I want to go read? Am I listening to an audio book that I'm super into and want to go cross stitch? Do I want to, you know, do something stupid? Do I want to go outside? Do I want to do something that isn't work? And I have to look, look at my list and pick something. So I do not want you to do nothing but work because that's not good for your work brain or your non work brain. But the thing with sitting down to watch TV, I love my end of the day couch time with Adam where we have dessert and we sit and maybe we're both on our phones, but we're just, it's quiet. Kids are in bed. We're not, there's no noise. We we turn on like a cooking show and then half pay attention to whatever recipe is on the screen that we're not interested in making. <laughs> but... It is really hard for me to be like, absolutely, yes. Let me boot up my brain and engage all of my cognitive creative energy in engaging with this piece of entertainment that I don't fully trust. This is part of why I'm bad at watching television because I, I'm like, oh, I have to do work to watch TV. I have to do mental labor. I'm tired at the end of the day. I don't want to do mental labor. And that makes it sometimes hard to read too because reading a new book means that I'm doing all of that creative construction in my head as well. Hence, I end up rereading... Or in my own deep embarrassment, staying up way too late, reading my own damn book. (laughs) I am so embarrassed that I stayed up like two hours past my bedtime reading my own book. This is so embarrassing. And yet I write my own catnip and I did a good job. So (laughs) I stayed up really late like, oh, I'll just finish it. It's only a novella. Yeah, it's a long ass novella. And I wrote it. You'd think my own tricks wouldn't work on me. But no, no, I forget everything. (laughs) So, the idea of sitting down to like watch a thing and doing all that constructive work in my brain is not appealing. But I worry, this is so dumb. I worry when I start a new show that I'm really going to like it and it's going to be the only thing I want to do. And then it will be over and I can't enjoy it anymore. Like, I'm really impossible to please.
1: I see, I think I get those same feelings. You have that yeah. same feeling? Yeah. What's wrong with us? We're completely weird. Well, I think this also goes for pieces of media that get a lot of hype. Like the Good Place, everyone was loving it. And I was worried that like, I was like, yeah, I guess it looks okay. But I love Kristen Bell and it looked really cute and it looked really funny. But it's one of those things where like, man, I feel like I'm really going to like it. But I don't know, I know if I wanna really like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not because like I'm ashamed or whatever, but like once you realize you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh oh, I'm really enjoying this. And you're like, crap, now I have to like watch a million episodes. <laughs>
0: and like something bad could happen. Here's a question that I just realized because I was thinking about what I used to do when I was younger. So I'm a good bit older than you. (laughs) Not that much, right? Uh, I'm 13 years older than you. I'm 42. That's not too bad. That's not too too bad. bad. But think about the amount of technology that's come out in 13 (laughs) years. So when I was younger, when I was younger, we had cable because my parents were like, oh, cable. We had a remote that was actually a long cord that attached to the cable box across the room. So it was this long ass cord attached to what looked like a graphics calculator. Hazard. It was a hazard. I gave it, we had a very pale carpet and yet you'd trip over it every time, even though you could see it because it's pale carpet, dark cord. Yeah, it was terrible. So I remember the channel order I would flip through to see what was on. (laughs) And you you didn't get to like choose your programming. You watched what was on or you sat down in front of the TV when it was on. Or if you were me, you figured out how to program the VCR. And then you had like nine videotapes of 12 straight hours of Scarecrow and Mrs. King that you would record in the middle of the night, because again, you're the only person that knows how to program the VCR. (laughs) Then you have 12 hours on multiple tapes. So more than 36 hours of Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Did I ever watch them?
1: I would record things on VHS. I remember.
0: Did you ever watch them? I never watched them.
1: Oh, well, see, I watched them. I was like, for a brief period of time, I can't remember if I was in middle school or high school. I was in into like professional wrestling. I was really. <laughs> it's like it's like soap operas, but with like, athletics. Um, soap operas in a onesie, yeah. yeah. And so I had this TV, and it had a built-in VCR. Oh, I had one of those. Yeah, it was like nineteen inches, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: I had one of those.
1: Um, and for some reason, it wouldn't record on the VHS if it was turned off um so at night i would set it up to tape and then put a bunch no. of blankets over my tv no. I
0: left it amazing on. <laughs> I am thinking, though, that maybe part of the challenge for us, because I don't know if you grew up at a time when it transitioned from you watched what was on or you taped it at the time that it was on, but you couldn't watch it later unless you had physically intervened between the the TV schedule and your schedule, to a time when you can call up pretty much anything you want on demand at the time when you're ready to watch it. yeah.
1: I remember when we moved to – so I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, until the age of 13. And then we moved to a rural area where they didn't really have cable companies. You had to get satellite because, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. And back but, then, satellite meant six
0: million jails, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: and I remember when we got there, like, what? You can pause live television? And there's like <laughs> Like, it blew my mind. I was like, what is this? Because before, like I remember I would visit my dad on the weekends and he had like the the rabbit ear antenna to like pick up the cable. And yep. then there was that big thing that's like, oh, we're switching from antennas to like cable boxes. Your antennas yep. will no longer work. Yeah, I remember. Yep.
0: So we went, we we both at different times lived through the transition of having television available, or programming specifically, even if it was movies, available, but you had to schedule yourself around them to a time when you can sit down and watch TV and choose from probably thousands of different things. And you end up, I think, at least in my own observation, this is tr- purely my own anecdata, I think most people end up re-watching something because the the decision fatigue of choosing between 7 million things is is very arduous. Like that, you know, That's too overwhelming for me. And I don't watch a lot of things.
1: Oh, yes. I have watched the same episode of a show. I watched, I think it's season two of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> I, have, I have watched their two-part reunion special oh over and over and over again. I actually think I own... I bought the entire season two on my Amazon account because to me it was the best season of that entire franchise. Oh my goodness. And
0: I just wanted to have it forever. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. See, that's another thing. You mentioned earlier that you like will have Judge Judy or Morion in the background and Real Housewives. I cannot watch, how do I put this? Television, trashy reality television. No, I saw what I was going to say. I was I because there are some reality shows where I could be like, okay, I can watch. For example, Master Chef Junior. Because the inherent, um, the 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 baseline of that story of that of that reality show, on the whole, is kindness.
1: Yeah, well, there's just no like, it's not toxic. It's not unhealthy. It's not people behaving <laughs>
0: badly as a performance art. I cannot watch that. Like, yeah, he
1: was the I very mean, first behavior
0: of the people on this screen <laughs> at this moment. I'm, I cannot, I cannot tune into that. And my 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 sons and I got really into MasterChef Junior. And then, like, I was trying to explain to them why it was so funny that Gordon Ramsay was like being this gentle, coaching, parental figure of kindness because he's so sweet, he's so nice children. to them, and they're so careful of each other. Like, you know, the the MasterChef or other competition shows. I think it was Linda Holmes who, who said that you know a lot of reality competition shows, people are cast based on their own personality disorders, and that's not necessarily the case for some, some reality show. In MasterChef Junior, it's slightly different. So I was trying to explain to my kids, like, okay, you don't understand how mean this guy is to grownups. So I found a YouTube compilation video, <laughs> and my kids will like walk into the kitchen where I'm, when I'm cooking now and be like, mom, where is the lamb sauce? starts screaming at me. And I just die <laughs> laughing because I had no idea how different the adult version is. And I realized I hate all of it. I hate I hate watching people behave cruelly and unkindly to one another um on purpose. That one hour of The Bachelor that we watched for Elise. Oh my no, no I'm it's sorry, two ready? hours. <laughs> <It's> Sarah,
1: <laughs> lest you
0: forget. It's two, two whole hours hour hours of the most horrible person being mean to other people and then and Ari like, who is just useless.
1: Two straight hours of secondhand embarrassment. Cause the Thank you, yes, that's what it challenges was. Challenges that they put these women through for what? Like I don't understand what, what do it's supposed win? to prove. Like, oh yeah, I'm okay with embarrassing myself in front of millions of people. Like <laughs> that's the only thing that it proves to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's secondhand embarrassment and people placed in situations that are going to encourage them to be terrible. And I, um I can't watch it. Like I couldn't, I could never get into Seinfeld. And like everyone I knew loved Seinfeld. I
1: can't do Seinfeld. I just don't, I just don't get it. It's just not for me.
0: I'm like, all of these people are terrible. Like, yes, that's the point. And no, that that is not the point. I cannot handle it. And oh my God. And then you go back and watch something that you really enjoyed. And you're like, wow, my present self recognizes that my past self did not understand how terrible this was.
1: Yeah. Some things do not age well.
0: No, 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 no. But when I look at the sort of level of toxicity of what's on television, that is also going to inform a lot of my decisions. I feel very out of step with what a lot of what is put on TV, because I don't enjoy judging other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of constructed television, constructed quote-unquote reality television that is basically asking you to judge people. And I'm like, that's exhausting. I don't want to do that. That's not even fun. <laughs> My job is judging books. Like I'm, I'm judged out at the end of the day. I don't need you. I don't need any more judgment.
1: This came up at, like, a wedding that I went to, and I almost got into a fight with one of the groomsmen. Um, but I wouldn't say, like, I'm enjoying the Me Too movement, because it's really disheartening and heartbreaking to see, like, how sexual violence has touched so many women. And But I'm kind of enjoying this, like, reckoning, because it really cuts down on, like, the people... I support in media like I have no problem being like oh Kevin Spacey is a terrible human being now I don't have to finish House of Cards I'm fine with it not a big deal (laughs) thanks for making that easier yeah like I have no problem not supporting toxic men and women in media and it makes things a lot it parses down my list which I appreciate I'm fine with giving up something if it means that, like, I don't put more money into the pockets of abusers.
0: And and sometimes choosing to consume or not to consume something that you know has been created in a way that is damaging or dangerous or harmful, sometimes that's really the only option you have. Like, that's the only thing that's yeah. in your control. And I feel that way about a lot of entertainment. I was about ready to stop going to the movies if I saw that goddamn trailer for Daddy's Home 2. Oh, my God. With goddamn Mel Gibson rolling down an escalator at me. And Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, I... Two horrible people. I'm really not here for this guy's comeback. And everyone's line of being unable to separate the work from the person involved in it is different. And everyone's line is in a different place. But for me, once you cross that line, um, I'm really done. And I really resent being told, oh, no, no, this is OK. No, really, it is not OK. Every time I saw it, I was like, just no. when it didn't do well, I was so fucking happy. I think I have cracked the code. To where
1: my worry of things going tits up comes
0: from. Oh, please tell me why I think that I,
1: is. I had like a flashback and I think I've cracked it.
0: I know what mine is. I'm curious what yours is.
1: Okay. I was a wee girl, so probably uh, fifth grade, maybe.
0: Um,
1: And mm-hmm. I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Uh-oh. Spoilers for anyone, even though the show has been out for a long time. Um, I don't recall, like, where this happened in terms of, like, the Buffy seasons. But in one episode, and I'm probably getting this entirely wrong, um, but she has to kill her her vampire lover angel. And I, I think it's to, like, close some portal or whatever. And she like runs him through with a sword. Yep. And I remember bawling my eyes out, crying to my grandmother who had no clue what I was talking about. (laughs) And (laughs) there was a bird. She's dead with a sword. That sounds like what you're supposed to do when that happens. (laughs) And I just, I didn't understand like why that had to happen. Like I don't even remember the specifics, and I could, you know, be wrong, but like. I was like, couldn't she have done this? Or why couldn't she have done this instead? Like, I don't understand why she had to, like, run him through with a sword and kill him. I don't get it. Like, I I felt like there could have been other ways to accomplish her goal without killing him off. And I was just devastated. And I think I only stuck with it a couple more episodes after that. But then I never watched another episode again. Um, and to this day, like, my fond feelings for that show are gone. Like I don't care about watching it. I don't want to like re. (laughs) I know some people love Buffy and that's great. But after that, like I was done and I didn't want to touch it ever again. And I still don't, I was so heartbroken and so upset. And I really didn't care about any sort of like future redemption or like him coming back or whatever. I was just, so torn apart that I was just like emotionally devastated and done.
0: I remember very clearly what was my like, Oh, I don't trust you anymore feeling. And I'm and listening to the way that you talked about this show is very <laughs> similar to my, my, my traumatic television event, which I'll tell you about shortly. But it really seems to me that the, that being romance readers who focus so intently on the romance genre our reader expectations inform our reaction to a lot of other stories. You set this up to be the romance and now she has to kill him. Uh, What? And with
1: a book, like you do know what you're getting at the end. And it's, you know, 300 odd pages. Whereas Mm -hmm. with a TV show, especially with Buffy, you have no clue how long you're going to be dragged through this nonsense. Hoping you get the result that you want.
0: You want to hear my terrible traumatic story? Of course. This is a really old spoiler. Uh yeah, this is embarrassing. Okay. So <laughs> long, long before um George R.R. Martin No, oh, no. was writing Game of Thrones. He wrote the original Beauty and the Beast TV show with, with uh, Vincent and Catherine. Did you ever see any of these? Is it?
1: I'm trying to think which one I'm thinking of. Um, I'm googling, so I I'm very visual based because you know, like I can just oh, is that the red cover with the whatever on it?
0: Oh, you um, are in remember? my brain.
1: I'm googling. <laughs> I just want to see an image. I have never watched it, but I am familiar with it.
0: Okay, so you you know what I'm talking about. There's Ron Perlman. He's got like a he's a he's so Vincent is like a cat dude. It is never explained. And Linda Linda Hamilton, who later went on to kill robots, is Catherine. And they have this. All right, if you would like to know the foundation of all of my trope catnip, you find it in this show. It is so ridiculous. So a long, long time ago, I learned that a lot of this show is a romance. But if you read the description of individual episodes, it's all about whatever crime they're fighting or they're, they solve mysteries because she works for the DA's office and he rides around on top of the subway killing people because they end up with this psychic connection where he knows how she's feeling at all times. She has no idea how he's feeling. That's so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm telling you, there's so much about this before I look at it now. And I'm like, how did this work on me? It worked so well. Oh, my God. Okay, so basically, let me give you the setup. <laughs> he lives underground uh, with Roy Dotrice, who is now dead. But Roy Dotrice played his his adoptive father. He was abandoned, and he was adopted by his father, who in the show is named Father. Very convenient. <laughs> and he's raised in this secret underground. Uh, world in the tunnels below New York City. And There's this whole society of people who live there, and they kind of dress like Renaissance fair. Yeah, look at <laughs> look at the clothes right now. Yeah. There's a lot of rent fair influence on, this, on these. A people. lot of off the shoulder. Oh, that's that's Catherine, right? She's wearing some yes. like fairy looking. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. When was this on? Like 1991. No, that 1991 was the animated. When was this on? 1987. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So in 1987, I was 12. Now you know why this is the foundation of a lot of my... I was 12. This is when it got me. I was 12 years old. Okay. So he's abandoned. He's raised underground by the secret society. She's a very, very wealthy daughter of a corporate lawyer, and she's sort of cruising through her life, and she doesn't really have to do very much. Um, she's attacked one night because she's mis- she is mistaken for another person, and these people cut up her face and toss her in the park, and he finds her and brings her down into the society to heal her because he knows she's gonna die. So she's all, her whole face is wrapped up, and all she can hear is his voice talking to her and reading to her and, and nursing her for however long she's underground. And then she's well enough to stand up and take off the bandages, and she sees her face and she freaks out, and then she turns around and he's standing there. Um, and you can see the pictures, she's a little freaked out, and she throws something at him and she like screams, and he runs away because he has very few friends. The people who live below are fine with him but he doesn't have any friends or certainly no girlfriend. Finally they she talks with him and he brings her back to the surface and she goes and <laughs> finds a really good plastic surgeon quits her job as a corporate lawyer works for the DA's office like gets hired like out of the blue just walks in and is like I want to work for you and they're like uh okay because you know that's how jobs in the district attorney's office work and they end up he and he realizes that he can feel what she's feeling. And so she's investigating these crimes and putting herself in peril. And then there's this one stock image of him riding on the top of the subway through the tunnels to get to her to kill whoever it is that's causing her harm. And then they have like a few moments together. And then it'll be the next episode. So the, the, the description, the sort of obvious pr- part of the show that the network Produced is all about them fighting crime. But the show is actually a romance, except the network was so freaked out. I learned this later from a friend of mine who oh. actually spoke to George R.R. Martin about this. Oh my God, I was like dying that I had not been part of this conversation because I don't really give a fine shit about Game of Thrones. But if I had like 20 <laughs> minutes with George R.R. Martin to talk about Beauty and the Beast, I would be a very happy girl because this is this is where my inner 12-year-old gets, this is where she gets her joy. So the network apparently was terrified of the romantic elements because... <laughs> He, he's part cat-looking dude. Like, even the first time they kiss, I think it's the end of season one, their silhouettes do it. They wouldn't even show them kissing. It's like they freeze, and then their shadows kiss, I don't like and that. then they go back, and <laughs> then they reanimate the frame again. Like, it, they're so afraid of the kissing. It's the most horribly, horribly unresolved sexual tension. Okay, so I am... All in on this show. Oh, my God. There is tension and there's this incredible amount of nobility. And there's one episode where on Halloween he can walk around in public because everyone's in costume. So he comes to the surface and they spend the whole night together. It is like the most romantic thing. And he takes her like to different parts of the city under the city. So he can listen to the symphony from the grates that are beneath the symphony hall and he just sits in this big beautiful cave listening to (laughs) beethoven seriously this is where all of my trope catnip comes from this show i can't even tell you so here's what happens in the show uh linda hamilton left the show i don't know why she had robots to kill she did have robots that she needed to kill she needed to get her biceps in order and kill some (laughs) robots and then you know these things happen someday in this life i will have linda hamilton's biceps because god does that woman have nice arms anyway so she's leaving. Somehow off screen, she's pregnant. No. And she's kidnapped. <laughs> I know off screen. This is all of the romance is very subtextual and nothing happens on screen. Like this, this would kill you. <laughs> so I own this on DVD. I might need to start watching oh it. Goodness. So I will be such a mess if I do. It'll be amazing. She's pregnant and gets kidnapped by this evil guy. And because she is pregnant, he can no longer find her. His, his noble emotional geolocation is no longer working. But then when she goes into labor, he's been searching for her, he's been searching for her, and this guy is keeping her captive uh, for her pregnancy. So finally, he knows where she is. But what he's actually a, a, a connected to is their child. And so he's running to the top of this building, and the bad guy flies away on a helicopter with the baby. And he's like, I know she's in the helicopter. I can't get to her. And this is very sad. And she appears behind him and they have poisoned her and they have, they, she is dying and she dies. And he's like, what you, what is happening? And all she can say is there's a child. And then she quotes one line from Dylan Thomas poetry. Oh my God. There's so much angst. I could not handle it. Then she dies and they bring in some <laughs> other actor. Some other woman shows up to solve the case and like he's got this second romance with her. And I was like, Nope, 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 nope. You killed her. That's it. It's that's done. I remember being so traumatized by this. Fucking Dylan Thomas poetry. I had to like leave English class in tears so I could go to the library and look up the whole poem because I was in agony about this death.
1: It kind of reminds me of when like a soap opera changes the lead actress for a character. Yeah, and they like kill her it's, and then bring it's her still, back. But no, but it's still the same character. They just change actresses and everyone's supposed to look, just pretend like this person who has been a character on the show for some odd seasons has a completely different face Surprise. and hair color, but it's still the same person. Wait, was there a different Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, they did a remake with, uh, I think, Lois Lane from Smallville. What?! Yeah, in twenty twenty twelve, It's a pretty much the exact same setup, but no Ren Faire clothing.
0: And he doesn't look like a cat. And he's not Ron Perlman.
1: I mean, he has some
0: things going on, um, but not as cat-like. Fantasy police procedural, yeah, that's kind of how it was. Oh, but the, this in the in the remake, she has street fighting skills, <laughs> and he's been watching over her for years. No, 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 no. The thing that killed me, literally, was that they killed her. Like they just they killed her, and that was it, and there was no happy ending. And I was just deeply, deeply betrayed. And in my mind, that didn't happen. She's still alive. I wonder why they fine.
1: couldn't just like find a way, like, oh yeah, you're leaving, then like, why not wrap up
0: the show? We find, yeah, like find a way to happy this. This was my first fandom obsession, I think, because I, I had the graphic novels. I remember when Twilight was a big thing, there was an editorial about how. The secret world is part of what draws readers in because you know about the secret world, then you're part of it. And even if it's in your, only in your imagination, this was my first real experience with a fantasy world that was a secret coexisting within the world that was my world, even though I didn't live in New York. So yeah, this was this is the origin story of all of my catnip and was the first fandom that I ever dealt with. Oh, according to Wikipedia, which as you know, is unfallible. <laughs> um, It was a decision, along with the network's desire to attract more male viewers, would have serious repercussions for the show's continued survival. So they had a romance, and they killed the romance because they wanted more men to watch it. Don't they have enough? No, apparently not. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, this This is what scarred me. Because story and continuity will always be secondary to profit and syndication. I cannot watch things without... Fear that uh, the actual story will become secondary to the things that I like, which is the story and also the romance.
1: Yeah, and I think with like Joss Whedon, I don't think he's that great at writing romance either. So I can understand oh, no, he's terrible at it why he did that. Oh
0: yeah. So is there a television show that you do like? Oh man, that you do that you would recommend? Oh.
1: Um, The Good Place, definitely. It's so good. Um, but I think that might be the only one I recommend. I mean, Westworld has a huge slew of problems, lots of violence. Elisa and I talk about it. She warned me that the first episode of the second season is very gory and not to eat while I'm watching it.
0: Good to know. Um,
1: but the good place is real I feel like it would reach a lot of different viewers. I mean, it's pretty light sometimes there there is romance um the characters are great it's really funny definitely the good place i feel like is the last thing that i really enjoyed watching
0: i would recommend brooklyn 99 because i think that they are constantly aware of the story that they're telling and there's continuity and there's storylines that are both retreads of very familiar sitcom situations but also new and different and I love the characters so much like I like all of them it's like hanging out with people who who you like I like that part I don't want to hang out with people I don't like
1: I have a soft spot for Terry crew
0: so much oh my god he's the best character he's so much himself too yeah like he yeah. talks Terry because his, his his character is in the show is also Terry <laughs> that's right he's adorable He's adorable. And I listened to this one interview with um, one of the actresses, uh, Stephanie Beatrice, who she plays Rosa. Have you seen the show? Yes. I've seen, I think, the first two seasons. Okay. So you know Rosa. Yes. Like, she'll kill you. Yes. With, like, her eyelash. Yes. In real life, she's this, like... Her voice is much higher and she's really positive and bubbly and adorable. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So she talks about how conscious and careful they are about the stories that they're telling and that they constantly improve and change storylines and they're aware of what they're trying to do and how to make how to make the stories that they're telling better representations of what people actually look like. And I and that's really hard work, especially when you're on a network, because the network's gonna be like, what are you talking about? We don't want things that are different. We want more male viewers and less romance. So I love that show a lot.
1: I remember there was a story that came out when uh, Stephanie Beatrice um, saw that Melissa Fumero, who plays uh, Amy, Mm -hmm. got the part or was interviewing uh, or like auditioning. And she was bummed because she didn't think that they would hire two Latina actresses, Mm -hmm. Um, but they wound up doing so. And they have like photos of each other on their Instagrams where they're like, cuddling in their trailers while like scrolling through their phones together it's so cute
0: the other show that i love is bob's burgers oh my gosh i love that show so much it is like if somebody put all of the things that sarah and adam really love in a blender and made a show out of it but the but the foundation of it much like the foundation of of um master chef jr is kindness and support the the foundation of that show is that they all do care about each other That brings us to the end of this episode. Amanda and I remain curious. What TV shows ruined you? Or are the ones that you will rewatch forever and ever? Do you have trouble sticking with series and television shows too? Do you trust TV writers as little as I do? Sorry, TV writers who might be listening. Um, I I can't help it. Beauty and the Beast, guard me for life. We want to hear from you. SBJpodcast at gmail.com. Or if that's not going to stick in your brain, Sarah with an H at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. We would love to hear your take on this because this is a this is a weird one. TV is very omnipresent, and yet we are both so bad at it. I also would like to have you come to our live taping. Yay! If you're going to be at RWA in Denver, please join us on Friday, July 20th at 4.40 p.m. Tower Court B. We're going to be playing Cards Against Romance Tropes. Now, this game was created by the Chicago North chapter of RWA several years ago, and they made limited edition. Don't even know how many there are, but I have one of them and we're going to play and it's going to be amazing. If you go to the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast, in the notes for this episode, there is a link to RSVP. There's no fee, of course, to attend, but I kind of need to know how many people are coming and I hope you'll join us. Live show, Friday, July 20th, during RWA, 440 p.m., Tower Court B. Come hang out with us. It's going to be so fun. This episode was brought to you by Reed Bliss. Are you looking for royal romance recommendations, the top three qualities of a great heroine? How about five unforgettable, uplifting reads? Find all of these and more at ReadBliss.com, your video destination for all things romance and reading. Subscribe to ReadBliss on YouTube for book recommendations, author spotlights, and more from romance novel experts and readers just like you. Visit ReadBliss.com and check out ReadBliss on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Read Bliss. Watch. Read. Love. This week's transcript is brought to you by everyone in the Patreon community. Thank you, Patreon. Each episode receives a transcript, which is handcrafted by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. The transcripts make the podcast accessible, and the Patreon community helps keep the show going. If you would like to have a look at our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash smartbitches. Every contribution means the world to me, so thank you, thank you, thank you for having a look you can also support the show by leaving a review however or wherever you listen and wow are those reviews effective you can tell a friend you can subscribe whatever works i am honored that you hang out with me and because it bugs me when i can't cite my sources i looked it up from the intro uh almond tears on twitter is the source of the phrase a group of white men is called a podcast (laughs) and that will never not make me laugh okay back to being professional professional podcaster here Mm, yeah the music you're listening to is provided each week by sassy outwater you can find her on twitter at sassy outwater this is the pete bog Fairies live album live at 25 this track is called the ranch and you can find it on amazon or itunes and you can find more about pete bog fairies at their website pete i will have links to all of the books and movies and television shows that we talked about i'm curious if there are dvds of judge judy i'm sure there are somewhere all of the links and all of the individual books that we talked about will be in the show notes i also have a little extra bonus surprise at the end as amanda talks about a movie that she owned on vhs and loved that i have never heard of and i think i need to go find it but before i go i have a bad joke because bad jokes are the best all right are you ready here's time for your terrible joke so you can tell people all weekend and make them groan at you <laughs> why do bears always poop in the woods? Why do bears always poop in the woods? Because that's where the toilet trees are. <laughs> that is from Slow Shot on Reddit. Two weeks in a row with tree themed dad jokes. Life is a grand thing. <laughs> on behalf of Amanda and myself and everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. We'll see you here next week. And don't forget, there's a little bonus.
1: Also, total nonsense, but while you were talking about this,
0: yeah. it reminded
1: me of one of my favorite animated movies that I have heard no one talk about ever. I think I'm the only one who owned this movie. <laughs> it was called Happily Ever After, um, and it's like a Snow White retelling, but the dwarves are female. Um, what? Jaja Gabor carol channing phyllis diller <laughs> dom de malcolm mcdowell holy crap irene cara <laughs> like these are all the voice actors i think tracy olman's in it <laughs> but it's such a weird little movie but i feel like i'm the only one who owned this on vhs but I, for some reason i was like was i disappointed with this ending and i just read the plot synopsis like no it ends happily maybe i'm remembering something else